Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to Call to Serve on the Spirit-Filled Radio Network. As baptized believers and followers of our Lord, each of us has been called to love and serve one another. This program will offer practical ways of serving and sharing our faith. Here is your host to get us started. Hi, welcome to Spirit-Filled Radio. This is Deacon Tony Mercado on the Call to Serve show. Today we have two wonderful guests, Tom and Blanca Science. Tom is a newly ordained deacon here in the Diocese of Orange. He is actually assigned to St. Juliana's Parish in Fullerton, California. We're going to hear all about their journey, how God's called them to serve and to get to this point in their lives. So let us begin as we do everything that is good in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Come Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit fill the hearts, hearts of us, your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our two wonderful guests are Tom and Blanca Science. If you don't mind, let us um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Blanca, how long have you guys been married? We have been married for 24 years. We're getting ready to celebrate our... 25th, uh, Silver Jubilee, pretty soon, uh, next June. And uh, we have three children, ages 22, 19, and 15, all girls. All girls, wonderful. Last with three girls. <laughs> That's yes. wonderful, wonderful. And one of them is still at Rosary Academy, yes? Yes, she is. Are Go Royals. Here? Yes. <laughs> I always give a plug for them if I, if I have that opportunity, so thank you for giving us that opportunity. Tom, what else can you tell us about you guys? How long have you guys been at St. Julianus? I believe we've been there uh, since 2005. That's when we um, we moved to uh, the neighborhood, the parish boundaries. And um, we've been uh, there um, uh, since that time. Uh, before that, we were in the city of Orange. I actually grew up in the city of Orange and um, was at La Parisima Catholic Church. From baptism to uh, First Holy Communion to confirmation, and, and even our marriage was there. And when our first daughter was born, we decided to move to Fullerton, spent a little time at St. Philip Benici, actually, and then uh, uh, shortly thereafter moved towards, uh, towards the St. Juliana Parish boundaries. So you lived closer to St. Philip when you first For moved? For about a year, Fullerton. yes, yeah. And, uh, and um, at that time, I think it was in a tent, right? Uh, the, the, they had just had a big fire, and they were going through some transition uh, and uh, we were going through transition too in terms of our housing and um, spent a little time in that area, but then moved to uh, to St. Juliana's. That's an interesting story because you guys moved there right about the time that we moved back to Fullerton. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Fullerton. My home parish was at St. Mary's there in Fullerton. And my little bit of my story is my first wife passed away in 1999 and I moved out to Orange. So we didn't go to La Purisima, but we were at St. Norbert. Rosie and I got married. We were still doing the, I was still doing the Fullerton thing because I was over there. 
and we actually did our formation for our or our marriage prep at we started at St. Philip's, but the church had just burned down. And they said, you know, it would be a wonderful example to the community if you got married in the tent. Wow. And I said, um, if father, if you could sell her on that idea, you're a better man than me, but I'll let you try that one. She wasn't too hip to the idea. So they told us we could pick any parish in the diocese. And Rosie got excited because she thought, wow, let's go get married down at Mission San Juan Capistrano. I said, but we're doing everything out here once it's all done. I don't want to drive to the mission and then drive all the way back. So we decided that we would get married at St. Juliana's. So that's our connection to your parish. We got married there at St. Juliana's. And then now we're back to St. Mary's and things are what they are. But I know that you weren't always born a deacon, right? You said you did your first communion. You're, you were baptized, first communion, confirmation, got married at La Purisima. Mm-hmm. Are you involved in any any ministries or anything, Blanca, on your end? Prior to the pandemic, I was uh, doing the um, Mary's Journey which is uh, enrolling people or have, signing up people uh, once a week to uh, bring the Statue of Mary to their homes and praying the rosary as a family. Now I'm involved in a little bit of everything. Wherever I need it, I'm there. Uh, right now it's pretty much hospitality. Uh, I work with the uh, live streaming. I've been working with that or trying to work with that or help with that since the beginning of the pandemic. Things have been tough since then, right? Yes. A lot of challenges. A lot of challenges, a lot of changes, a little bit of, uh, so many things change and uh, continue to change. So wherever I'm needed, I'm just. So you're like the utility player. <laughs> they need something, plug Blanca, and let's do this right here and there. That's good. One of the things, at least, I wish Rosie were here. We miss her today. But one of the things that the same thing with her is we were going through formation. People say, well, what's your ministry? And she said, my family. Mm-hmm. We still have five kids at home. We have one son at Servite, go Friars, and we still have two daughters there at Rosary, go Royals, got to remember them. Mm-hmm. And then we have a junior high school son and an elementary school daughter. So we'll be around for quite some time, but our first ministry is always our home. You know, you guys, your first vocation is marriage, right? You were married, then you had children, so you have that responsibility. And I think sometimes in today's society, we devalue the fact that somebody's a homemaker, or somebody's involved with the family, right? So sometimes even as I said, like with Rosie, what ministry are you going to get involved in? And she's like, I deal with my, you know, I'm dealing with my family. Now she is, we are both the altar server ministry coordinators at our parish. And she jumps in like you, somebody needs something, give her a call. Let's see what she can do to jump in and help. But we still have five kids at home. So she's not as dis- as available as you are possibly. I don't know how available you are. So that's wonderful. But how about you, Deacon Tom, how about you before the diaconate, what ministries were you involved in there at the parish? At the parish, uh, I was involved with the Knights of Columbus for um, a few years, pretty heavily, actually. And I I had the role of uh, financial secretary, uh, keeping all the books and keeping all the members and uh, just participating in the the ministry work that the Knights Council would do at St. Juliana. Uh, So various events, uh, fundraisers and outreach to the community. Uh, so that was actually a, a really wonderful experience and um, a fairly consuming experience from a uh, from a time perspective. But uh, in addition to that, it helped with liturgy. So I would help as a lector, serve as a lector, and a Eucharistic minister. And um, both Blanca and I did that and uh, did some work with the homebound um, uh, from time to time. And then also St. Vincent de Paul. Blanca's taken more of that on 
Uh, there's not a lot of Spanish speakers, and many of the people that come, especially during the pandemic, would come in as a drive-through um, service to receive groceries and other support. Uh, so because of um, Blanca's ability to speak Spanish, uh, she was actually called to um, to help and greet people. Uh, so these are some of the things that, that we've been doing. And as Blanca mentioned, we do the live stream. Uh, so that I think that was March 17th. 2020 when father asked if uh, I could do that and um, within a couple of days we got something going and we're able to um, to bring Jesus to the people and uh, through through modern communication platforms I guess in a similar way that you're doing now uh, with with your program here isn't it amazing that when the pandemic hit it was like oh my gosh what do we do how's this going to work what's how's this going to affect us and like us I don't know I didn't I don't forgive me but I don't watch the Saint Juliana live stream and, and what have you because Either I'm on the altar or I'm watching our live stream to see where I've done something wrong or to take a look at things. But I look back when we first started, it was very, very crude. Our crew started out with an iPhone. That was like, that was how, that was our technology that we had. That was our technological equipment. And then as we've progressed, these young, we have a lot of young adults that are in charge of that and they just do an amazing job. My gosh, they just do such an amazing job. I can't even explain my gratitude to them. One day, that would be a good show to bring them on here and let them share about their experiences wonderful. Yes. of what happened. As we go on, though, with all those things, before we get too much in, in, involved in what's going on, I think as a deacon and a deacon couple, right, there's a lot of stuff that goes into us becoming deacons. It's not a very simple thing. It's not for the lighthearted. It's not like, hey, let me check this out. Let me see what it is that this is all about. There is that part of it, right? When we get started in our formation and our discernment process, we're going to hear about that from Deacon Tom and Blanca Science in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break to remind you guys that you are listening to Spiritfield Radio. This is Deacon Tony Mercado, and I have as my guests Blanca and Deacon Tom Science out of the St. Juliana Parish here in Fullerton, California. He's newly ordained, so he's getting his feet wet right now. But it was a long journey to get to where we are. Not only that, when we go through formation, our wives go through formation, we do all that together because we are a couple and we're called to serve together. But just as a reminder, if you haven't listened to some of the other programs on Spirit-Filled Radio, there are so many other wonderful topics. We have priests that are on here. We have lay people that are on here. We have different people that are talking about different things. But today, we're blessed to have Deacon Tom and Blanca Science tell us about when you first felt the calling for the diaconate, can you share that with us? Where, how, what was your experience? Sure. I think it goes back to um, several years ago and um, attending Mass. And we can remember going to Mass at the L.A. Cathedral, a beautiful new cathedral. And um, we'd see the deacons serving there and, and preaching. And, um, you know, I um, had some experience in, in, in public speaking and, and working in the corporate world. And I, I began to wonder, is that something that I would be able to uh, to offer? And I didn't know a lot about the diaconate, and I just kind of kept it to myself. I might have mentioned it to Blanca once or twice. I said, maybe in the future when I'm older and retired. And uh, I'll look, so I kind of put it aside. And uh, it would come to me from time to time, actually in prayer, uh, as I looked uh, for ways to have a more fulfilling life and, and be of service and fulfill my Christian call. And uh, again, never really shared it with anybody, but it was through the parish work that um, that I was involved with through the Knights of Columbus and serving in liturgy, uh, that I actually was invited uh, to uh, discern the diaconate as a pathway of service. And it was actually our parish deacon who at the time was uh, Deacon Gerhard Stadel. 
He said, have you ever thought about it? And I said, well, come to think of it, I have. And <laughs> so um, we um, yeah, quickly called Blanca and we talked about it. And, um, you know, we didn't know a whole lot about it beyond what we'd seen our deacons doing in the parish. And we said yes. And um, uh, again, still uncertain and began to attend the informational sessions and, and learn more about it. And uh, all the way through, uh, from the very beginning to the end, we weren't sure if it was going to be for us. But we just kept saying yes every day. And uh, as long as we felt peace in moving forward in our classes, in our formation, in our ministry assignments, we just kept going one foot in front of the other and not knowing if we would be ordained. And all throughout, we were also very much at peace knowing that if, if things had changed for whatever reason, we would take it all as a blessing and, and just take that with us in, in, in loving service to, um, to God and to his people. So um, up until about a week and a half ago, we, <laughs> we had that mindset, and now now it's all official. And now you're ordained. Welcome to the diaconate, brother. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. In that conversation, Blanca, that's Deacon Tom's perspective. When he came home to share with you, said, they tapped me on the shoulder. They think that I'm, I might be a good candidate, or however the wording was. What were your thoughts when he—I know you had talked about it a few times, but now it's like, this is real. Somebody else thinks it's a good idea. How would you feel? I guess I, I just felt open to it, uh, whatever would come out of that. I was open to whatever happened. I don't recall if I really knew <laughs> or if I was very familiar with what it would take from us or from especially him to um, get started on the formation. So I said, okay, let's, let's just give it a try. We'll see where it, where it ends up. And um, never thinking that we're going to make it to the end. Every day was kind of like, okay, we made it through today. We made it through the week. We made it through the month, through the year, whatever it was. And and we just left it in, in up to God. Whatever God wanted from us, that's what we would end up doing. And uh, thank God, well, God made it possible, and here we are. But as far as saying Tom ever mentioning to me, I want to be a deacon, or I feel called to be to being a deacon. I don't remember that specifically. Uh, well, I do remember uh, Deacon Gerhard uh, inviting Tom, and I believe that I do kind of remember him saying, "You know, I've, I've thought about it. I think I I would like that, or at least give it a try." And I do remember that first experience of listening to that deacon at the cathedral in Los Angeles, Our Lady of Angels, and that. Uh, Deacon was, he just spoke with so much passion. And I think that Tom felt inspired that, okay, he's making a, a, a change or people are being inspired. And just by listening to him, he's moving so many hearts, so many people. And he felt, I guess, that call to say, I want to do that too. So here we are. That's neat. And I think, at least for me, I, such as you, had a deacon that tapped me on the shoulder, Deacon Manuel Chavira. May God rest his soul. He was the one that would always come to me and say, Mijo, this is, you know, the church is looking for good men. And I'm like, ooh, that's not me. <laughs> I don't know what you see in me, but I don't see that in me. Yeah. And so, yes, we looked at the diaconate a couple different times before we finally said our, our final yes. And one of the things that you brought up that was very important is the formation, right? When we were formed, Blanca, you and Deacon Tom were formed together because— you had to attend a certain percentage of classes. And like you, we, the same thing, thought that 
we don't know how we're going to do this because our lives are so busy. We have so many kids. We've got sports going on. We've got all these different things. And But we'll say, yes, God, and, and we're going to jump in. And if it's your will, we're going to get through it. If it's not after the first year, we might bow out after the second year. But in any event, I'm going to become a better man, a better father, a better lector, a better Eucharistic, mm-hmm. extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. All these things that we're involved in, I'll become better because I've gone through this much of formation. Mm-hmm. And now that we're done, okay, I think, yes, we. I would hope that I'm a better man today by God's grace. But the other thing, when we looked at it, you know, you said we kind of, you went day by day. I kind of went module by module. I got to turn in this last, you know, my final paper. <laughs> okay, good. We got one more done. Now we got a break for a little bit. We're going to get to the next one and, and move on with those things. How much of a challenge, I know you said that with a lot of the social work that you were doing, the social justice work that you were doing at the parish, mm-hmm. how easy was that or how much, maybe not easy, but yeah, how much easier do you think it was because you had already done a lot of the stuff at the parish level once you got into it through the diaconate formation program? I think it was um, it was much easier for us had we not you know, gone through any of those experiences. And, um, you know, we talked about um, being inspired by a preacher who was touching hearts. And from the very beginning, we learned that uh, the, the diaconate, diaconia, is about service. And that's actually what the name means in, in Greek. So being at the altar and being at the ambo, um, uh, proclaiming the gospel or preaching is just part of it. And uh, actually, the main component is, is serving. And uh, you know, we've had the benefit of some experiences even outside the parish of serving with Mother Teresa's nuns, for example, for many years, not only as a couple, but as a family, working with the poorest of the poor and really encountering Jesus uh, through the experiences with them. And they were just heart-touching you know, moving experiences that really opened us up. And we think that's played a very critical role in our pathway and not only getting to the diaconate, but uh, helping us grow during formation as well. And uh, all the things that we learned there in terms of encountering Jesus through the poor and serving Jesus through the poor and, and having a sense of joy and peace while doing that was just so beautiful. And it helped us in many, many ways. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of a, um, a God arranging everything in our lives, giving us these experiences that and we're able to bring all that forward and then receive what was being given to us during formation to kind of put it all together, continuing growing closer to him each day through, through this ministry. My opinion, uh, one of my pastors in the past said, when I first talked to him about the diaconate, the, the very first time I, I went to my pastor to ask about how does this diaconate thing work? How does becoming a deacon work? And he laughed it off. He had a wonderful laugh, uh, Monsignor John, and he laughed it off. And he goes, Tony, you're already a deacon because a deacon is a servant, right? Sure. He goes, you're already doing everything. You you are a deacon. That's the role of a deacon. Now, do you want to become a deacon because you want to be on the altar? Do you want to become a deacon because you want to wear the sash? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, what is the reason you want to become a deacon? I said, I don't want to become a deacon. He goes, well, that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. So... We, you know, continue to discern and do what we had to do. And finally, we said our our final yes, and we went through the program. But with all of that, it sounds like you guys already had the servant's heart before, right? I mean, I don't think anybody just wakes up one day and says, hmm, today I want to become a deacon. They've already been doing so many diaconate roles. As you said, people think when sometimes I talk to people and they're like, or when I do a funeral, Mm -hmm. they say, oh, father, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not that kind of father. I have eight kids. I'm a deacon. And they're like, oh, so 
what does that mean? And then I have to explain to them the role of a deacon. And a lot of times when I talk to our Protestant brothers and sisters, they don't understand. They're like, but you're married. I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. I'm a deacon and go into that. And they understand it more like in their world, they, they liken it to either some sort of like a, an associate pastor or something like that. Somebody that's lower on the totem pole. And I say, no, no, no. As deacons, we are the bottom of the totem pole. Yes. We're the first volunteer, <laughs> which is wonderful. I, I'm not complaining by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, today we are being joined by Deacon Tom and his wonderful wife, Blanca Science, newly ordained to the Diocese of Orange at St. Juliana Parish in Fullerton, California. And this is just one of the shows that we offer, but there are other, other wonderful shows that are out there that touch a variety of different topics. Feel free to log on to Spirit Filled Radio and see what they're all about. Download the podcast so you can grant it on demand and see what can be done. We're here with them, understanding how they're dealing with their role as a married couple who has chosen to become a deacon couple here in the diocese. Blanca, as you were going through these things that we talked about before with the classes and the formation and all that, how did that affect you? How does that affect your family life? Your your kids, you know, you're you're just outside of church. You're just a regular mom, right? I mean, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but, or are you saying another St. Teresa or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, our children understood what we were getting into, I guess I can say. And throughout the formation, we always had in mind, nothing that we are doing right now is going to be different if we don't make it through the formation or through the years. It's it's okay. Uh, We have the passion and the heart. We open our hearts to doing what we are being called to do. And it was not something that we said, definitely, we want to to do what we are doing. And I guess that we don't choose. I, uh, I guess I can honestly say I don't choose. <laughs> <laughs> For example, what God is sending me a lot of times, uh, a person to serve or help somehow. I don't say, today I want to do, I want to help someone. I want to do something for someone. God just sends us those people. And I guess that what I do pray for is that God opens my heart to accepting whatever it is that that he sends me. And I think that our children, uh, we brought up our children that way as well. When I was a child, I was born in Mexico, and I came here as a, uh, as a young child. And we were poor, grew up poor. Uh, even when I came here, we were poor. My father was the only one working, uh, earning minimum wage, but we had what we needed. We had everything we needed. But, for example, we received prizes at school for good attendance or good behavior, whatever it was. For example, an eraser, a crayon, or something. And my mother would always tell us, you know, there are people who need it more than you. Or there are people who need that pencil or that eraser more than you need it. How would you consider donating it or sending it to the people in our hometown, the children are in our hometown. And to me, it was just, there was no need to ask me twice. It's just like, so sure, I, I already have an eraser. I already have a, a pencil. I'm more than willing to, to give what I have. And I think that I continued with that passion of just helping others and knowing that there were people who were less fortunate than I was. Even though I was not rich, I didn't have everything I wanted, but I had everything I needed. So our children were very, very open to to this journey. 
And it doesn't mean we didn't have challenges. Sure. We always sure. had challenges. Some days we were saying, oh, what is happening? Are we going to continue or be able to continue? But God made it possible. Sure. And, um, and like I said, our children were very supportive. They were always, uh, but our, our problems were normal problems. Sure. It was not because we were spending more time in our formation and not having that time to spend with them. It was not because of that. So that is something that both Tom and I analyzed. We said, is this problem because it's the formation is taking away from our family? And most of the time we said, no, this problem would still be here regardless. With or without. We, yeah, without yeah we, had, our challenge was finding, making sure that we had somebody to watch the kids when we would go, because uh-huh. when we started this, our youngest was four. Or younger, yeah. You know, yeah. they were, so we had that challenge, but it worked out. Now, I don't know which one of you wants to take this question <laughs> because there's going to be maybe maybe the same version, but a little differently. How did you guys meet? Oh, uh, that's pretty. <laughs> we actually met about a mile away from where we live today. Uh, we met at Cal State Fullerton. Okay. We were both business students. We were in the Latino Business Student Association and... Uh, and we were actually at a social event at a dance, and we, we danced. So. <laughs> and then we um, were both kind of reserved and shy, and we, we went our separate ways. And then we met again, and we started dating. And um, that was in the late 90s, right? No, early 90s, I would say, in 93, 94. And um, like Blanca said, we got married in 97. Uh, so um, I lived in L.A. for a bit, and uh, we got married in Orange, lived there for a bit. And then we came back, again, a mile away from where we met so um yeah that's that's been our story just to call it sweethearts i guess you can say <laughs> wonderful so is there like images or do we have a video of that dancing that dancing that night or there's no evidence yeah, to, to i don't have to think be destroyed? so uh, hopefully not you know <laughs> cell phones were not very prominent there at least the kind that we have now so not any video evidence because that would be um something for for a good laugh i think <laughs> back when back when in the early 90s those are those cell phones were like Walkie-talkie. Oh, you carried a bag with yeah, you. Yeah, to work out with carrying your cell phone. <laughs> cell phone minutes were like yeah. $4 a minute, something like that. It was pretty, pretty crazy I remember. back then. Yeah. I remember. Now, as we said, you guys are, you're newly ordained. Mm-hmm. When you got home the day of ordination, there's still a lot of, wow, just for me at least, there was a lot of like awe still, like, oh my gosh, what's changed? Anything? I mean, where, how much more holy are you today? What is it? What, what have you noticed that has changed? Well, I think we've been busier. This has been a pretty uh, intense couple of weeks, uh, starting with that weekend. But I would say the the ordination mass itself was, of course, so beautiful and our wonderful cathedral and it was filled and beautiful music and liturgy. Uh, but I have to say that we all felt a little bit of nervousness ahead of time. Um, I guess uh, for anybody who's married, you might think about uh, you know how how you felt prior to getting married. A lot of butterflies, uncertainty. But as the, as the liturgy began and uh, the the people were singing and praying together, uh, we began to feel strengthened and began to feel the Holy Spirit really moving us and uh, a much uh, greater sense of peace. And I think that would be one word to to describe how I felt. Um, after maybe uh, Blanca, you felt similarly, maybe different, but I felt peace. And uh, and since that time, we've been on the go, whether it be um, celebrations that uh, some of the fellow uh, brother deacons were having or um, our own celebration with family and friends. And then 
getting immediately into serving. Uh, the party was quickly over, <laughs> and we got we got right right to work. But preaching the next day, preaching the next day, and serving at mass the next day. And we had our first funeral today. We just came from, so it's all very much new to us. And um, that part is new. Uh, are we holier people? Well, holy is doing the will of God, and we continue to strive to do that each and every day, as we had before, but now with the grace from the sacrament. Of, of sure. ordination. Yeah. Sure. I think every day we strive to be holier, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we ask God to fill our hearts and be more of him and less of us. Mm-hmm. And we move on. And as always, these times just go so, so quickly. We're going to be wrapping this up now. We are blessed today by having Deacon Tom and Blanca Sayans here with us today, telling us about their journey on how they got to the diaconate. They're a wonderful couple. They just are newly ordained. I used to call myself, right now I've been ordained just over two years, so I look at myself as a toddler deacon. Mm -hmm. I still fall, I still trip, I still make mistakes, but you guys are the newbies. And just out of curiosity, what is your class's theme? We are Lumen Christi, that's the light of Christ. The light of Christ, wonderful. May you continue to be the light of Christ to others. And as we wrap this up, as we do in prayer, remember God's calling each and every one of us to serve in different ways. It could be as simple as, Picking up the chairs after a meeting, it could be becoming an usher, could be becoming a lector, an altar server, volunteering in the office, whatever it may be, whatever your talents that God has given you, he's calling you to use them to serve him in glorious ways. It may be simple, but as Mother Teresa, no, uh, I think it was Mother Teresa did say this, we do not do great things. We do small things with great With great love, yes. Right? So if we do that, then we will all be fine. So as we finish in prayer, let us begin as we do everything that is good in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, I want to thank you for this time that I've had to spend with Deacon Tom and his wife, Blanca. They're such a wonderful couple and they are such a benefit to our community and to the St. Juliana community. Please hold what's in our heart, the intentions that we hold dear for the parishes and the parishioners at St. Juliana for the Diocese of Orange and everyone that may be listening here. Please continue to hold God in your hearts and remember, He is calling you to serve in one way or another. We ask you for your continued blessings and we thank you for all the graces that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And that's a wrap for this edition of Call to Serve on Spirit-Filled Radio. I hope and trust this program has been a blessing to you. For more information, please come visit us at spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. Until next time, have a blessed day as you serve the Lord and your neighbor. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.